Hey, 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 everybody. Today I have for you podcast number 009, and today's podcast is titled Habitat for Health. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Lombardi, and this is the Limitless Life Network podcast where we flesh out the limitations that are preventing you from reaching your goals and living the life that you deserve. And this podcast is for you if you want to live a life with less limitations, more freedom, with a healthier mind, body, and spirit. The Limitless Life Network brand was born out of the scripture in Ephesians 3.20, which reads, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And I want to help you to recognize and tap into that limitless power that is at work within you. So today's episode is really great. I love it. It's called Habitat for Health. And today I have for you six points, of course. I have points because it's way more interesting if we have points, right? And uh, and you know that it's going to have an end. It's not going to go on forever. <laughs> so the backstory this week actually is inspired uh, by observations of nature. And um, I wrote about this in uh, my blog uh, several years ago. And it came out of a conversation with uh, my neighbor who at the time – uh, was really into training for Ironman, and uh, he had ran several. He's really, really good at it, and uh, he went to Kona and uh, did really well there. And but he decided he wanted to take up hunting, and he decided to start hunting with myself and my neighbor, my other neighbor, and uh, hunt the land around where we live, which is a really a rural area, beautiful, beautiful spot. So very blessed to be here. And one of the things he was talking to me about, and I thought, wow, that's I'm so glad, I'm so happy that that Joe is is doing this now because of all the time that he spends out running the roads and cycling and swimming, you know, he's finally getting to sit down and, and observe more than just thinking about beating the watch and uh, improving his time and monitoring his heart rate and all that stuff. And he's able to just kind of quiet his mind from everything. And that's one of the, the blessings of, I think, getting out and hunting and being in nature. So uh, he was saying to me, he goes, I think it's really, you know, I just really love just sitting out there for like four hours and watching how everything happens in that time frame. And I thought, yeah, right on, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're paying attention and you're seeing these things that – most people never get a chance to even look at. And I remember when I first started hunting that, that's the same thing that struck me. And I really didn't know a lot about what I know compared to what I know now about hunting. So my, I figured my best advantage, my best strategy back when I first started was to just sit in the same spot from sun up to sundown. So I would walk out to a spot there where I thought it would be a good place to be and I would just stay in that same spot and be very still and be very quiet and just look for 
the deer that I was hoping was going to waltz by me that I could try to harvest. And uh, anyway, it was it was eventually it became successful, but I did I found that that wasn't always the best way to uh, to to go about hunting. So there's some other strategies that I like now that are more efficient. But anyway, here's what I noticed. Here, what I noticed was that everything had a time that it came alive. So as the sun began to rise, like all these different species would start to do different things in the forest. And based upon the wind, based upon the sun, based upon the cloud cover, uh, the moon, uh, the temperature, everything behaved accordingly out of its out of their own instinct. And the more I observed this, the more I saw how it was actually became predictable and actually made maybe a better hunter because I could predict now based on the weather and and some different things that you know where my chances would be best to go um, based on topography and so forth. So um, and wind and and so on. And anybody that hunts knows there's a lot that goes into it. But you know. Most people just look at oh wow you go out and you and you shoot an animal and you, you eat it and so forth but there's there's so much more to it and that's not what this podcast is about it's not about hunting it's about observations of nature and the observations of nature can be carried much further than just sitting in the woods and observing uh, we've all seen you know the even on television like spawning salmon or uh, we can walk outside at any time of the year in the in the fall and or in the spring and and geese will be flying and you can hear them at certain times of the day and uh, well, how do they know to do all that stuff? Well, it's all instinct, right? It's just it's just the way they're made and and if you extrapolate that out, it's not just happening in the Northeast where where I am here in New York State, but it's happening everywhere in in every part of this country in every part every continent and, and it's happening all throughout our entire planet and it's happening with i mean not as far as the species but there's order and timing to everything in the entire universe and galaxy and and beyond and and that's the part that i guess i'm getting at with this is that when we tie this into our health um i think this is something that is sorely missed I think it's it's really uh, something that is is overlooked and neglected, and uh, it's not taken advantage of. So that brings me to point number one, and that is it's right in front of your face all the time, and you don't even notice. And we can all be guilty of this: is that that it's happening all the time, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. And do we really even pay attention to it? Do we ever really even honor and and just sit in awe of how amazing life really is on our planet? I, I don't I don't know if we really really fully embrace that. And when it comes to our health, what do we do? Is that we're we're trying to manipulate it all the time, right? We're we're not trying to honor the instinct or that intelligence that that knows how to do everything, right? I mean, in fall in central New York, the leaves are falling off the trees. They do it every year. They've been doing it forever. You know, how do the trees know to do that? They just do, right? 
but we take it for granted. We just, you know, it's fall, you know, let's go apple picking. You know, why are, why are the apples ripe now? Why aren't they ripe in the middle of the summer? You know, and you can get all scientific about it and you can talk all, all around it educationally wise. And you can talk to, and you could even probably, you could, you could, you could somehow manipulate the elements to make a tree ripen an apple sooner. And, and didn't you just, aren't you just a genius for doing such a thing? Because you, you changed what nature really wants to do. And we do that all the time and we think it's great. <clears throat> but the reality is, is that instead of embracing, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to, igno- we try to ignore things and, and uh, we try to pretend like it doesn't really matter. But what I'm trying to get at is that if you want to look out at, in the world at wild animals, they're the healthiest animals out there. <laughs> and so that brings me to point number two. Are you a house cat or a lap dog? <laughs> That's point number two. You know, are you a house cat or a lap dog, which are domesticated species? But in the wild, what do you see? You see very healthy animals. And they're not uh, they're not going to doctors, right? They're not. Uh, they're, they're just trusting their instinct twenty four seven, their entire lifetime. And what about us? Are we trusting our instinct twenty four seven our entire lifetime? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We're a domesticated species, much like our cat or dog, which are domesticated, and they're eating food out of a can. And what are we doing? We're going to a grocery store. We're eating food that's already been been prepared for us, maybe even cooked already for us, where in the wild, you know, the dog species, the canine species, like wolves and coyotes and and so forth, you know, they're on their own. They hunt everything. And uh, same thing with the cat species. If you look at a a bobcat or a cougar or uh, a lynx, you know, they're out there, they're hunting every day. Every day, they're just trusting their instinct where to go, and they know what to do. But not us. Not us. We don't trust our instincts. Instead, we, we're just trying to you know, do our thing. We got our, own, we got our own agendas. So we are domesticated species. And, and I've even heard people say that, uh, that we're actually probably the sickest species on the planet of all the species out there. Sure, we may live a long time, but Really? Do you want to live a long time or do you want to have a phenomenal quality of life right up until the end? Just living longer is not what I'm about. I don't want to necessarily live longer if the end of my life is of low quality. So that's the that brings me to point number three, and that is, do you trade quality for convenience? And I, I would say that that's what we've been doing for a long time is what we've been We've been making life easier and easier and easier because it's convenient. And easier is not always better, but we think it is because it feels good, right? But quality takes work. Quality takes an investment of of time and energy and effort. And it, it takes an investment of your knowledge base and trusting your instincts, right? Like (laughs) you have to actually think about how to plant a garden. You have to think about where to put it and how to do everything. That's not convenient. That's a lot of work. But in the end, the 
the food that's produced from an organically raised garden with no herbicides, pesticides, or anything like that, where the soil is healthy and rich, produces the finest food on the planet. And your body is perfectly designed to eat that food. And it really likes it. And we know that. So we just think, oh, I'll just pay somebody else to do it. But do they do it to that level of quality? Because they're trying to make a buck, so they try to figure out ways to do it in larger scales, larger and larger scales, and they cut corners as long as they can still have that little certification on there. But is it the same? I, I would say no. Because when you think about all the nuances, all the subtleties that are involved in nature, when you leave out any steps along the way, you're missing something. And is it necessary? Well, some could argue there's a lot of things that aren't necessary, right? You can, you can live without a spleen. You can live, you can be alive without your appendix. But why do you have them in the first place? And it used to be argued that your appendix was a vestigial organ that you didn't, you didn't really need until they actually discovered it had a purpose <laughs> more recently. <clears throat> but for years we thought it was no big deal. It's just a, a remnant. <laughs> okay, that brings us to point number four. Labor in vain. <laughs> Do you labor in vain? This is something that it, it really speaks to, you know, the labor like that goes into a garden, Right you know, shoveling and raking and planting and, and carrying things and walking and, and watering and, and weeding. And, you know, it takes time, it takes physical effort. And, and then you have other things that, that may take work too. And, and what man used to always do is we always had to have fire and that fire always involved gathering wood and cutting wood and chopping wood and so on and so forth. And I look at people going to gyms all the time, and I'm not saying not to go to the gym, but laboring in vain, meaning that they do a, a tremendous amount of physical work in the gym that doesn't have any other byproduct other than what it does to you aerobically and physically, which is a good thing because sitting on a, in a chair all day certainly isn't getting it done. And if you have to go to a gym to actually work your body, you know, like a, a, a hamster on a treadmill, um, then by all means, you better go do it because we're designed to do work. Our bodies are meant to move and move with good quality. And, and I thought to myself, you know, this is the fall and this is when I'm, I'm, I'm constantly cutting and splitting wood. And if you swing a, a splitting mall, for, uh, you know, I set up like six or seven logs and I'll go around and I'll swing as hard as I can for six or seven logs and your heart rate gets up and you're really using a lot of muscles and then you're bending over and picking up big logs and setting them back up. So, you know, you're doing this deadlifting position, you know, you're getting down in a deep squat and lifting up and carrying things and farmers carry type activities. And you know, split wood with me for a few hours and compare that to a CrossFit workout, <laughs> you know? And, I, and we're not trying to time you, you know? It's not a race, 
but it's about getting work done and splitting and stacking. Except when you're done, you have some you actually have something to show for it. You have, you know, beautifully stacked wood, and then you have fuel that is going to heat your home. And uh, you know, that's where I talk about laboring in vain. If I could if I could just harness all that work that's being done at the gym, boy, and use that for for something that's productive on top of it, man, you could really you could accomplish a lot of stuff because there's a lot of human effort being put out there. Uh, so that's number four, labor in vain. And uh, number five is, what is your interface between you and the world? It's actually a question. It's not really a point. It's a question. So what is your interface between you and the world? And I just had this conversation today with with somebody um, who has had uh, some spinal cord injuries and you know, he's struggling to to move his to really walk with a good balance, and uh, he really struggles. He's got to use a cane, and he has had some spinal surgeries and so forth. And and it, you know he's really disappointed because he thought these surgeries were going to fix his uh, his problem because you know he's this narrowing around his cord. And uh, he said, "My legs are je- just dead," you know. And uh, and and I said, "You know, it's too bad because you know we live our whole life." through our nervous system and you're really starting to learn this now but you're learning it out of out of absolute you know necessity and and you know out of you know basically a last ditch effort like wouldn't it have been nice to know how important the nervous system was before his spinal cord became compromised and um but we live our life through our senses right what we see what we smell, what we taste, what we hear, what we feel. And then all of that is constantly being processed by our brain and our brain is responding in a very timely and, and uh, appropriate manner based on how our brain's instincts are programmed. So the intelligence within our own nervous system is constantly sending messages and signals to every cell tissue and organ in our body so that they can literally light up the DNA in our body and and carry out all of our cellular processes. So when you begin to lose that communication between the brain and the body, not only are your sensations less, right? You can, if you, you know, sensation, what you feel in your hands and your feet, right? So sense, sensing the ground with your feet, so positioning of your joints, all that is all that's interpreted through the nervous system, the ability to balance and coordinate your eyes and their gaze on the horizon. You know, that's what you're instinctively programmed that you hold your head so that your eyes gaze evenly on the horizon. And you'll if your if your spine is crooked or bent, your head will tilt so that your eyes always stay level on the horizon. How does the body know to even, how does the brain even know to do that? But it does, right? There's this intelligence that knows everything. Tells your heart how to beat given any circumstance or situation, what your blood pressure should or shouldn't be based on the brain's demand for oxygen. The brain uses more oxygen and glucose than any other organ in the body. It's the greatest consumer of that because it's that important. So your interface between you and your world is your nervous system. And that is where that intelligence that animates everything is really residing in you. 
And so that brings me to point number six, and that is how tuned in are you to the tuner? So in other words, like, yeah, wait a second. <laughs> I've one, I have probably never pay attention to this. It's it's kind of like somebody you love that's always there, like a brother or a parent or a spouse, somebody that you you truly love and you would do anything for, but you take them, take them for granted until they're gone. And you wish you had one more moment. You had just a f- another one more chance to have a conversation, you know? And I think about this guy and I'm like, man, I, you know, he would probably give anything if he could just go for a walk and not be in pain and not feel like he's going to fall on his face. You know, if he could just go for one nice walk on a fall day and have all of his strength back, you know, but he didn't know. He didn't really know what he was in store for. He just kind of trusted what the experts were telling him at the time which was, yeah, you're fine. You're fine, you're fine, you're fine because you don't have much pain and you can just take some take some chemicals to manipulate your pain so it's tolerable. And when your pain gets so bad that now your nervous system is shutting down and you're falling down all the time, like where did that come from? How did that happen? And it's this downward spiral that he's been on for so long. And, and then it comes to this drastic measure of rods and screws and surgery. So... How tuned in are you to the tuner? In other words, how tuned in are you to that power that animates the living world? How tuned in is your nervous system? And this is really the role of what a chiropractor does. And this whole podcast is not about trying to promote chiropractic, but it kind of is in a way because I want you to be happy and healthy. Um, But it's not, I mean, this podcast kind of turned into that a little bit, but here's the thing. Your nervous system needs care, just like your teeth need care, right? It knows what to do, but your spine is what what constantly gets abused and neglected. And if you neglect anything, it eventually it's gonna it's gonna come back to haunt you. If you don't take care of your car and you just keep neglecting it, one day it's not gonna work appropriately. And that's the that's really the how I've always seen the role of a chiropractor is as really somebody that cares for the spine and the nervous system so that you stay tuned in to that intelligence that resides in you, that flows over those nerves and animates your cells, tissues, and organs so that you have as close to 100% communication between your brain and your body for your entire life. And I don't know, whenever I put it that way to somebody and I ask them, "Who who do you think wants that? And they always say, I want that. They always do. And they always say that who need, and if I ask who needs it, and they say, everybody needs it. Everybody could use that, but not everybody does. Not every, That's the honest answer. Not everybody does. Not everybody will. Because you know what? We've got this idea about all these other things that we think are so great. You know, if I could just take more of this vitamin, I, you know, people are so happy to take vitamins, you know, and because they get nutrition is good for them. And I think it's very important to take the right things, but at the same time, not at the expense of neglecting your spine and your nervous system. You know, you can take the best vitamins in the world, but if you have very poor nerve supply to your digestive system, your ability to absorb it, your ability to assimilate it, it's never going to be as good as it could be. And that's how everything works. 
It's not the rules that I made up. It's just the way everything in this whole world is made up. And we don't live in the environment that, that we were designed to live in. We're, unfortunately, we need to take, we need to actually care for our bodies differently because we're domesticated species, much like a cat or a dog, right? Much like a, you know, a farm animal that needs somebody to care for the thing. And we're not in the wild anymore. When we were in the wild, we really didn't have, you know, a need for somebody to care for us. We needed help from others for sure. But all right, that's that's long enough. I've I've gone on and on about uh, about this. So I, I really hope you got something out of this and uh, and you can put it to work for yourself. But stay tuned into the tuner. And that's what I have for this week's edition uh, of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. Tune in each and every week to stay connected, be inspired, and keep moving toward your best life by stripping away your limitations. Mm-hmm.